Have you ever looked at a baby and wondered what they will do with their lives? What they will be one day? I remember looking at my children and wondering, what will you be? What will you do with your life? In writing this, it made me wonder about Adolf Hitler's parents. I wonder if they stared at him and wondered what he would do when he grew up. The thought came to me, did Mother Teresa's parents look at her? Did they ever imagine that she would achieve and do what she did? Did my parents look at me? And did they wonder where God would take me? And what he would have me do. All parents, all parents have dreams and aspirations for their babies. I still, I still look at both, well, both, all of my children, yeah, all of them, and my grandchildren, and wonder how their lives will unfold. At the heart of the Christmas story is, of course, a baby. And I suppose a lot of people that are attracted to Christmas are attracted because it's all about a baby. And of course, we all know babies are cute. Babies are harmless. Well, if you were looking at Christmas as a cute little baby who entered the world, who is no threat to anyone, then you have got Christmas completely wrong. This helpless baby lying in a manger was such a threat that the most powerful man around at the time kills whole villages full of babies in order to try and get rid of him. In a generation, the followers of this helpless baby will be persecuted by the empire because they are such a danger to good order. Whatever you say about Jesus, from the moment he was born, people found him to be a threat to their power, to their control. And as such, he suffered the same fate as anyone who upset those in authority on the cross. In fact, as the, pit, as the image shows, the cross falls over the whole story of Jesus right from his birth. From the time he was born, he had a price on his head. Whilst those in authority plotted and worried, an angel warns Joseph to escape, escape Bethlehem just in time. Herod the Great, and I'm convinced he had paranoid personality disorder, <laughs> thought nothing of killing members of his own family, including his wife, when he suspected them of scheming against him. Herod the Great, who on his deathbed gave the order to kill leading citizens of Jericho just so that people would be weeping at his funeral. The same Herod who sent soldiers to kill babies that had been born, uh, born just in case, just in case one of them grew up to be a royal contender. As, Herod's power, as Herod's power had increased, so had his paranoia. Not an uncommon problem with those in authority throughout history, is it? The story of Jesus the Messiah 
was born into a troubled, into a land of trouble, a land of tension, a land of violence and fear. I really don't know where people get this image of baby Jesus meek and mild. From the time Jesus was born, before he could walk, before he could talk, he was a homeless refugee with a price on his head. However, despite all this gloom and doom, we read here and throughout the gospel, Matthew insists that we see Jesus, even in the grim and dark moments, as the fulfilment of scripture. This is how God was going to redeem his people. This is how God was going to bring justice to the whole world. Jesus doesn't arrive in comfort that one might expect for a king. Even the wise men got it wrong. And why should they? When the, when the world is in such a mess, in such misery, no point Jesus arriving to an easy life when the world he is born to was suffering violence and injustice. If Jesus was to be Emmanuel, if he was to be God with us, he had to be with us in the pain and the anguish. This is exactly what Matthew is giving us in our reading this morning. But he also quotes three pieces of scripture that I think we need some clarification. The first is in verse 15. Out of Egypt I called my son. This is a quote straight out of Hosea 11 verse 1. Hosea was writing these verses, looking back on Israel's exodus from Egypt and not forward to the birth of Jesus yet to come. Matthew, in using this verse, is drawing our attention to the fact that Jesus' role and vocation is to make the story of Israel complete as the Son of God. He is, as if to say, Israel in person, succeeding at last where Israel itself had failed. The second verse I want to look at is verse 18. There was heard a voice in Ramah crying and loud lamentations. Rachel was weeping for her children and will not let anyone comfort her because they are no more. Originally, this verse is from Jeremiah 31, verse 15. It is all about God's renewing of his covenant, bringing Israel back from exile at last. And although Israel must mourn, help is on the way. And not about the slaughter of new babies by Herod's men. But again, again, Matthew wants us to see that Jesus is the one that is bringing deliverance, even amongst the bleakness and the hopelessness. Finally, Matthew links the settling of the family in Nazareth with the prophecy of Isaiah verse one. Of, sorry, Isaiah eleven verse one. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From this shoot, a branch will bear fruit. You see, the word Nazarene means branch. A branch shall grow out of the root of Jesse. In other words, a new beginning will be made in the royal house of David. 
This is what this whole passage is promising. And Matthew is determined to find hints wherever he can in Jesus, not despite the frantic and tragic events that that happened around his birth, but because of them, God is providing the salvation and rescue that Israel longed for, and through that, his justice to the whole world. Yes, we can sit back and look at the nativity scene at Christmas and think just how peaceful it is, and we can draw out the peace and joy of the birth. That's fine. But I don't want you to forget the bigger story. It is all too easy to see Jesus and to present him as this non-threatening, easygoing person that brought peace and love. But from the very start of his life, he was anything but that. For us, Christmas became, can become rather predictable, comfortable and reassuring. How odd then that for its original participants, it was anything but. In fact, it was thoroughly unexpected, uncomfortable and even disturbing. And yet, we should be celebrating the timeless truth that Christmas brings to us year after year. And even though life's never perfect, that our plans get derailed and our aspirations thwarted, still God is, is with us. Still God is amongst us. That is what the Emmanuel means. God with us. He has been with us and he knows of life's up and downs. We know that Jesus' life ended terrible, under terrible circumstances. But we forget it also started that way. He is with us. He understands life. The very human and at times difficult life. The difficulty, the difficulty for us is to take Jesus into our life and to hand more and more of it over to him. As we head into a new year, as we head into making outlandish New Year's resolutions, which I do every year, mainly around losing weight and getting fit, perhaps we can make a New Year's resolution to allow Jesus to take more and more from us. Amen.